Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. Can we thank God for these awesome musicians and our worship team and Ivan and Trey? They let me sing old songs, amen. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua, verse 10, did as Moses said to him, and he fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up on top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. Help in the heaviness. So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady, everybody say steady, until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. And Moses, what did he do? He built an altar. Everybody say, he built an altar. And he called the altar's name, the Lord is my banner. And he said, because the Lord has swore, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Say it again, help. Say help. In the heaviness. I don't know if you have ever encountered some heaviness in your life. I don't know if you've ever encountered a situation where it seemed like you were doing everything you could, but it still tended to feel heavy. This passage of scripture we find in the Old Testament, one of the first things that happened to the children of Israel fresh out of slavery. Fresh out of bondage from the Egyptians, fresh out of of that exodus, you know the story where Moses went to Pharaoh and said those famous words, he said, let my people go. Pharaoh would, would make up his mind one day and change his mind and go back and forth and wouldn't let him go. And finally, he decided to let him go. You know the story. And they came out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, out of that captivity, out of that mindset. And, and they began an exodus out of slavery into uh, and toward a promised land, a land that God had spoken and shown Moses. And they were following a man named Moses, following this man who who stood up in front of that dictator, who stood up for them. And they were following him and following his ability to hear God's voice. Not only should you follow a, a leader, but you should make sure that leader is listening to the voice of God. 
Here at Hope Alive Church, we strive, all of us strive to do the best we can to make time to listen to God's voice because I don't want to be anywhere with anyone doing anything unless the Lord is fighting or directing us towards it. Say amen. I want to make a commitment early in this message to you here at Hope Alive Church. We could care less to be the biggest church. We don't care about be the most popular church. We don't care about the church that has all the nicest things. One thing we're going to do is we're going to follow the voice of the Lord. Unless it, I don't care who it associates us with or separates us from, we're going to follow the voice of the Lord. If you were in this place Wednesday night, you might have thought it was a church full of crazy people that come to church here. Well, let me give you good news on this Sunday morning. We are crazy. We're crazy about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They were following this man who was listening to the voice of God and miracles were showing up. Immediately when they stepped up to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army was in pursuit. They had a mountain on the left, a mountain on the right, and Pharaoh's army behind them and the Red Sea in front of them. God spoke to Moses to stretch out his rod, the same rod that he gave to, uh, to, gave to him to show the, the Hebrews that he was the one, that he was following God's voice. He stretched that rod out over the Red Sea, and you know the story what happened. The Red Sea began to part and split in half. They didn't walk on water. They walked on dry land. And they got to the other side and immediately Pharaoh's army was swallowed up. If you continue to read that same rod, was pivotal. That same voice, that same direction was pivotal in making bitter water into drinkable water. That same instruction of God was pivotal. The miracles that were pivotal when they were starving in the wilderness and God spoke to them that manna would fall. And sure enough, manna fell down from heaven and in the middle of famine, in the middle of desert, uh, uh, they began to eat something. And then they were thirsty one day and they were, they were standing in front of a rock and the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, said to Moses to strike the rock and he struck the rock with the rod of God and what happened fresh water flowed from the rock what I'm trying to tell you is if God is in it miracles are following it if God is in it things are happening in the middle of all of that an attack came in the middle of all that divine ordination in the middle of God's will, in the middle of God's instruction, in the middle of God's deliverance. Verse 8 says, the children of Israel suffered an attack in Rephidim, Amalek. Amalek was a king who, he was the descendant of Esau. If you know the story of Jacob and Esau, it was a, it was a contentious relationship because Esau eventually sold his birthright to Jacob for a, 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 pot, a pot of stew. I mean, just a, just a good bowl of menudo uh, on Sunday when it's cold outside. Amen. Menudo weather's coming. Say amen. Amen. Here in a few weeks, you ain't going to be able to find no hominy in the store. It's going to be all gone. That shelf will be empty. Say amen. And uh, Jacob was able to purchase that birthright. And Esau was, was, was this Amalek. King Amalek was an, uh, a, a descendant of Esau. 
And, and, and if you look in verse uh, uh, 6, or excuse me, in verse 8 in Exodus chapter uh, uh, 17, you will find that, that uh, Amalek and the Amalekites, they attacked the children of Israel. Israel was a descendant of Jacob. Amalek was a descendant of Esau. They attacked the children of Israel in a place called Rephidim. Let me give you some dorky Bible stuff. Are you ready? Rephidim, the word Rephidim means rest and stability. The enemy attacked God's people in their rest and their stability. It's not a coincidence that we see Rephidim being a place of rest, being a place of steadiness, being a place of surety. Have you ever thought everything was going good and all of a sudden in the middle of your rest, in the middle of your steadiness, in the middle of your consistency, the enemy comes from behind. One of the tactics that the Amalekites would use is they would never, they would never attack an army in the front. They would never come and let the strongest soldiers see the army coming. They would always sneak up in the back of the army army on the back of the people they were going to overtake and they would attack their weakest ones, their children, their elderly, the injured, the people that were incapacitated and they would sneak up from behind. They would sneak up from behind because they would be able to uh, accomplish more uh, by catching them by surprise. Ain't it just like a cheap old, a cheap fighting devil. He'll never hit you where you can see it coming. He'll always sneak up on behind. He'll sneak up on you in your weakest season. He'll sneak up on your children. He'll sneak up on your, your, your family. He'll sneak up in areas. The devil's never going to attack you in areas you're strong in. The devil's going to attack you in areas that you're weak in. He's going to attack you in areas that you struggle to maintain, that you struggle to keep in order. Sometimes the enemy, uh, some people will say they, they struggle with this or struggle with that and then I'm reminded the enemy knows how to get my number. If he wants to launch an attack, he will sneak up from behind. They attacked the children of Israel in the, in the, in the back, in the, in the weakest part of their army. And Moses called someone into leadership. He called Joshua and he told Joshua in Exodus chapter 17 verse 9. He said, Joshua, choose you some men. Choose you some of these shepherds and some of these contract laborers and some of these people that grew up just being construction workers. They, did, they weren't trained in attacking. They weren't trained in war. They weren't trained in fighting. They were trained as being a slave. They were trained to be a construction worker. They were trained to be a shepherd. They were trained to be just hired help and immediately Joshua, who later on went to lead the children of Israel into the promised land after Moses' death, God called Joshua an unqualified leader, an untrained leader, an unprepared leader, but Joshua was teachable and Joshua was submissive. Let me tell somebody today, you may be unqualified, you may be untrained, you may be ill-equipped, you may have a bad record, you may have a bad reputation, but if God puts you into an assignment, He's going to supply everything that you need. He's going to supply what you need. He may, you may not have the qualification someone else does, but thank God you have a God on your side that can keep you, that can show you. And Joshua did just that. He walked out into this army with an army of shepherds, with an army of contract workers, with an army of, of, of servants, and he did battle. I wrote this down, and I want you to see it. God can be trusted. 
trusted with the means and the resources he has given you today. If he's given you an education, use it. If he's given you strength, use it. If he's given you business knowledge, use it. You don't got to look like nobody else. You don't got to sound like nobody else. You just got to be who God called you to be. Some people are waiting on qualifications to go into battle. Some people are waiting on... Listen to this. If you're going to be what God called you to be, don't you miss the moment to go when he called you to go. Quit waiting on it to make sense before you make work. We are waiting on things to make sense. No wonder people are weak and wondering if God's even doing anything in their life because they're waiting on it to make sense. They're waiting on it to make a profit. They're waiting on it to sustain itself. Joshua followed his leader. Let me tell some of you that want to be leaders. Let me tell some of you that already are leaders. You're going to walk into some things sometimes that you have the disadvantage. You're going to walk into some things sometimes that you are not equipped like everybody else is. You don't, you don't talk as good as everybody else. You don't know as much as everybody else. But unless you do what God told you to do, when he tells you to do it, you will never see the promised land. You will never walk into the fullness of your assignment. If y'all are wondering, I feel a little preachy today. I just don't know why. It's just in my spirit. And Joshua went on to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Some people want their, their, uh, they, they want their assignment to be marked with all this, this special training. I didn't have no special ministry training when God assigned me. I'm standing here today, today with no seminary degree. Some of you, this might not be your church if that bothers you. I'm not standing here with, with all this years and years of qualifications and all this. I just said yes, 16 years old, when some adults in my life said, it's time for you to be the youth pastor. It's time for you to share. It's time for you to lead your, I'm still going strong after that 16 years. I'm still moving in that direction. There are other pastors in this town with more seminary degrees than me. There are other pastors and churches with more resources than we do but we have a call from our God to do what he has called us to do and we're going into battle to take the things back for our families, come on, for our children for our young people for our marriages, for our businesses and that great day of victory where Joshua led the, the children of Israel into the promised land, it didn't start that day. You only saw that day. It started way back when, when he said yes to his leader. And he said, I will go, I will fight, and I will do what you have told me to do. I want to tell you, the only thing separating you from the greatness in your life is your ability to be led. For many of you, the only, it's not the resources, it's not the skills. Can you be submissive enough? Can you follow the direction of God enough? Can you stay close enough to hear his voice so that when he calls you, he don't have to look for you. He calls you and you, he say, you say, yes, sir, I'll go. It's now days and times where we listen for the voice of God and we respond to the call of God with a yes. Somebody say yes. Then 
Moses, after he told Joshua, I want you to go into battle with the Amalekites, Moses, he went up to pray. He went up to pray and he had a rod in his hand. He went up to pray and he had a staff in his hand. And, and it, it, it's not this, but it looks something kind of like this. Moses took the same staff that he, he used to split the Red Sea, the same staff that he used to strike the rock and fresh water flowed from the rock. He took that staff, the rod of God, he called it. He called it the rod of God. He said, tomorrow as you're in battle, I'm going to the hill and I'll have the rod of God in my hand. This rod of God has kept me through the hard times. It's delivered us through the bad times. It's pointed us in the right direction. It's provided for us. Is there anything in your life that you can look at and it can represent the times God provided for you and he delivered you and he spoke to you and he set you free? Maybe it's not a rod in your hand, but it might be a Bible in your hand. Maybe it's not a rod in your hand, but it might be a calling on your life. Maybe it's not a physical item in your hand, but it might be a praise on your lips. And every time you put it to work, God began to provide and deliver and set free and Moses went up to the mountain it says and he held the rod of God in the air and every time he held the rod of God look what it says there in verse 8 he said every time he held it up and he did uh, what it was the top of the hill when he held his hand up in verse 11 the Israelites would win but when he became heavy Amalek would win when he held it up, Israel would prevail. But when he put his hands down because of the fatigue of ministry, the fatigue of leadership, his hands became heavy. If I could focus your attention to any point of this message, it would be on that part of the scripture where it says, Moses' hands became heavy. Following the voice of God and his hands still became heavy. Doing everything the word says to do and my hands still get tired. Even when I'm winning I still get tired and as he would let his hands down Amalek would prevail. This morning I want to tell you that leadership is exhausting. Doing the right thing is exhausting. Nobody in this world can encounter anything that even when you're doing it right, the right way. Marriage, when you do it the right way, it still can get exhausting at times relationships, raising your children. You want to raise them the way that they should go. But even in the middle of doing it all the right way, you still get tired. Here at Hope Alive Church, Wednesday night, was this altar was packed. I mean packed with people who were worshiping God, no holds barred, relentless, and that was a wonderful moment, but we cannot even live in that moment anymore because today there are times that our hands will still get tired. Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like you were winning, but it was wearing you out? 
Have you ever been in a situation where it seems like you were doing the right thing and everything you could do was everything you could do and in the middle it seems like you still could not keep your hands up. You still could not do what it takes to win. Doing what it takes to win gets heavy at times. Doing what it takes to survive gets exhausting at times. It gets to be overbearing at times. There are times in all of our lives, if we do it the right way, we will not be popular. If we do it the right way, we will not be accepted. There are times in our life, if we do it the way the Word says, we will not even see results like we want to see them. But that doesn't give us an excuse to let our hands down. Our hands may be heavy. But it is possible to be in the will of God. It is possible to be completely in the will of God and also be at the point of wanting to give up. If you don't see the context of this scripture, he was God's man doing what God had showed him. Miracles were following him. And he still could not keep his hands up on his own. His hands became heavy. If you have ever experienced a time in your life where you were doing everything you knew to do and you still could not keep your hands lifted, how many of us have been through a time in our lives, maybe there wasn't a, 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 an item in our hands, but our hands still got tired even though we were praising God through the best and the worst. Sometimes when I preach here to Hope Alive Church, I preach about the worst times. But let me preach for just a moment about the good times. Because you can be in a winning season. Your business can be blessed. Your finances can be blessed. Your relationship can be blessed. And you still struggle at times to keep your hands lifted up. Because at the end of the day, you just get tired. Has anybody ever been tired? Anybody in this place, even in this season that you're in right now, you just seem to be tired. This passage of scripture is relevant, I think, in the times that we're living in because people don't give up because God's not good. People don't give up because, because he's not doing miracles. On Wednesday night, we stood a young man up. His name is Braylon. We stood a young man up who came to us about three or four weeks ago and, uh, and had an addiction, uh, struggling uh, with an addiction, struggling with, uh, on, the, on the verge uh, of, of feeling like there was no point to be alive anymore. There was a, his mom came with tears. She said, I've been to everybody. Nobody will help him. And, and Robert and our building bridges made a seat for him in their circle and they began to make room for him a young, how old is he? 17 years old is that the one you went to their house? went to his house to pick him up there are times that things like that, we stood him up because there are times that, that, that even in our spiritual lives we are winning but times still get heavy what I'm here to tell you is the Lord has got help for you when time get heavy. The Lord has got a plan for you when times get heavy. I have a question that I want you to write down. Are you committed to rest? Are you committed to rest? Or are you waiting on life to make you rest? 
Moses, I see some, some traits that I want to give you today. Moses, in the middle of battle, he took time away to be with the Lord. In fact, even still in chapter 16, we see Moses teaching the children of Israel the emphasis of Sabbath and of rest. The emphasis of, of making sure that we take time to rest. And, and the Lord spoke to Moses in the middle of that manna raining down. And he said, on the, take enough that you need on the sixth day because on the seventh day there will be none that, that falls. And still people went out on the seventh day to look for some manna and to to look, they still thought that they wanted to be their own provider. And, and, and I just have a question. Probably some of the reason why we go through heavy times is because we're waiting for rest to be a reward that we earn instead of an investment that we make. Rest is biblical. Rest is spiritual. It is a tithe of your time. A lot of people, they cop out on giving in the offering because they say, I give of my time. That's great, but if you work seven days a week, you're still robbing God. Because he commands and demands us to take a day of rest. A day of rest, a day of Sabbath is scriptural because it tells God, I trust you to provide for me so much. I'm not going to do anything on this day for myself. I'm going to let you do it all. That's what the biblical understanding, one of the reasons why we grow weary is because we've struggled to find that margin of rest in our lives. We wait until rest is a thing that we earn. We have to go on vacation to rest. I'm blessed that I feel like I don't live a life that I have to vacation from in order to find rest. And I've struggled with this in the past. I've been better about it lately. Taking time, drawing the line, say I have to invest. Rest is not just a good idea, it's a God idea. Idea. Rest is not just a good idea. He designed you to need rest. Jesus even told us, come unto me in Matthew chapter 11. He said, all you who are tired and weary of carrying heavy loads, he said, I will give you rest. Everybody say rest. We need rest. You're trying to hold this up on strength that you cannot maintain by yourself. You need God-given rest. I feel, like, I feel like it's popular, especially in West Texas, in the work culture we live in, to put in 100 hours, to put in 150 hours. I don't even know how many hours they're putting in no more. And we put a mark of success on us when we overwork. And then we wonder where our relationships are. And then we wonder where our spiritual life is. And then we wonder where our physical health is. And then we're, we're crashing energy drinks just to keep up. And then we wonder how the enemy sneaks in and steals years out of our lives. I'm preaching good this morning. You say, Pastor Cliff, I, I sleep. Sleep and rest are not the same thing. You can sleep and not rest and wake up feeling. You have to take time to rest. Moses made a, a statement from God in Exodus chapter 16, and he told them to rest. Number two, if you need help in the heaviness of life, you're going to have to invest in your relationship with God. 
Which means while things of importance are, are going on, you're going to have to get away and find some time with God. What kind of leader would leave the troops in the middle of the battle and go to the top of the hill? Let me tell you what kind of leader would. A leader who knew where his help came from. A leader who knew that he could not do it on his own strength. Dads and moms, what kind of parent can you be if you do not invest into your relationship with God? Well, Pastor Cliff, I go to church. Thank God you go to church, but it's not enough. The Bible says we need to advance from eating, drinking the milk of the word to eating the meat of the word. Let me tell you what that difference of that scripture is. It, it's this. It's the word I'm giving you today is milk. It has been digested by somebody else, and it is given to you to sustain you for a little bit. But the meat of the word is when you get down in your bedroom, in your prayer closet, when you open the word, and the protein of God's word fills your heart, fills your spirit, fills your life. No wonder we got weak Christians. They're still drinking meat, drinking milk, instead of eating the meat that God provided for us in the word. My nephew is over here drinking a bottle right now. He cannot feed himself. So he's relying on someone else to feed him. He cannot sustain on his own. And when we become Christians, we have to nurture and disciple people who cannot feed themselves and cannot sustain. But if you've been a Christian for any period of time and you're relying on me to feed you on Sunday, you will be malnourished. You will grow at a, at a, at a slower rate of speed because you have not fed on the word for yourself. You need to invest into your relationship. When Moses left the battle. You know how many micromanaging leaders could not even take time in the middle of battle to leave their post and spend time with God? How many people think that you are so strong that God needs you to be there in order for God to be victorious? Moses stepped away despite the pressures, despite the needs. Despite, it reminds me of Jesus when he was on earth. He would steal away from those around him. He would find a quiet place and he would pray. There was always people that needed healing. There was always dead that needed to be raised. There was always water that needed to be turned into wine. There was always, always miracles to be done. But he realized and tapped in the power that it takes to keep his hands lifted, to keep his assignment in place. He tapped into a personal relationship with God. And if Jesus needed personal time, I don't know why the enemy has convinced you you don't need personal time. Say amen today. The truth is we need. Number three, we need some people. This, this solitary confinement that the enemy has put you in to make you think you don't need nobody else around you is a trap for when times get heavy. It's a trap for when times get heavy. The Bible says that Aaron and her went alongside Moses, went alongside Moses, and, and eventually he got so tired they had to put a stone under him so he could sit. And eventually, Anthony and Brandon come up here, eventually he got so tired that he could not keep his hands lifted anymore, and he needed somebody to come alongside 
and hold up his arms. Oh, I can't go. And eventually Aaron and Ur, one on each side, held his hands in place. Because had they not held his hands in place, he didn't have the strength to do it on his own. This is where the enemy gets most people. They don't know how to receive help. They would say, oh, no, I got it. Oh, no, 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 y'all. No, I'm good. I don't need help. And then in the privacy of their battle, they cannot keep their arms lifted. And can I preach to you for just a minute real quick and make a few of you mad? This is the reason why you're losing battles. You're too prideful to receive help. This is why Christians are suffering in silence. Because God sent people to help you and hold up your arms. They're going to hold up my arm. God sent people to hold it up, hold you up when you cannot do it by yourself. But we're too prideful to take help. And Satan himself laughs when the church cannot win battles because they don't know how to get help. They don't know how to ask for help. They don't even know how to honor those who help them. I couldn't do ministry if it wasn't for you. They wouldn't be able to see if it wasn't for you leading the teams that you lead. I would get tired if you didn't meet me in those moments and hold up my arms, where would we be? Where would my children be? If they didn't have somebody who was focused on just them, where would our young people? Wednesday night, there was 50, 60 young people in this altar worshiping God, throwing everything else out the window and worshiping God because, because of a leader. Where would your family be? I see your mom. I see your family in church. I see fam distant family members. I see people in your barbershop coming to church and, and finding Jesus and leaving alcohol and leaving drug addiction because you decided to step. I remember the day I swiped up on your story when you were singing a country song on your Instagram story. You remember that? And I said, you got a good voice. You should sing on our worship team. And you laughed. You said, no way. There's no way I could stand up in church and sing about Jesus but this morning he began to say he picked me up and he turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground we don't know how to honor those around us no wonder you don't have nobody to hold up your arms you think this life is all about you and what you're doing and what you're, what's important to you. And on my left is Aaron and on my right is her. And when I cannot hold my arms up anymore, they come alongside and they pick up my arms. And every time life gets heavy, this is why community, thank you, men, this is why community matters. This is why going to church, those of you that are sitting at Bedside Baptist this morning, Uh-huh. You're the praise and worship leader at Bedside Baptist Church. And the usher and the pastor. And you ain't been in corporate worship and you're wondering why you cannot keep the heaviness out of your life is because God put you in a body to dwell, to grow, to be a body that supplies. 
And this is why the enemy works overtime to keep you out of this place. You need people around you that are going to support you. Winning is not doing it on your own. Winning is being humble enough to ask for and receive help. Let me call this out. Pride and a self-sufficient spirit. It is a divination. It is a dark spirit that makes you self-sufficient. It's the same one that makes you self-righteous and self-proclaimed and self-focused. It's the same one that gets irritated when the call from the, from the pulpit comes for us to work together. Self rises up. I know you don't like that kind of preaching, but if you don't, you're going to have to find another church. Self is demonic. And no wonder you're going through heavy moments is because you don't have people around you that you can go to for help. Can we take just a moment and normalize? Hey, life is heavy right now. Shrey, can you, can you help me? Adriana, life is heavy. Ashton, life is heavy. Ivan, life is heavy. Now, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I don't know whether I'm up or down. Can you please help me? You can't get through this life alone. Let me tell you, you can't do this alone. God created you with the need. Just like he created you with the need for water, he created you with the need for help. It is not good that man is alone. Moses' hands didn't stop becoming heavy. Aaron and Ur made his hands steady. Ministry doesn't stop being heavy. Can I be transparent for just a moment? We are in a winning season right now. Church, we are blessed. And you, I feel like some of you don't even know how blessed we are. We're blessed with a team. We're blessed with leaders. We're blessed financially. We're blessed with a building. We are blessed. But doing the right thing still gets heavy. Ministry doesn't become easier when you step up and you serve, when you step up and you lead, when you reach your community, when you reach your workplace, ministry becomes steady. It wasn't at all that his hands stopped being heavy. I would tell you right now, Brandon, I was bragging on him about these kids, but leading teenagers gets heavy. Imagine 70 kids, 60, 70 kids on a Wednesday night in a hot room sometimes because we have an air conditioner that's got a spirit over there. It's got a spirit. And, and, and he's got to do it, and he's winning, but it's heavy. People take pictures of what God's doing here at Hope Alive Church, and people say, wow, God is so good. And I tell them, yeah, but we only got one men's bathroom and one women's bathroom. We only got about 30 parking places between two parking lots. Everybody else has to park three blocks away and walk. And there's so many things that we're navigating. Don't let me sound like I'm not grateful. Let me tell you that it gets heavy. We're out of room. We've remodeled. 
We've stretched, and God's preparing something for us. I know that. I do know that. That's my fourth point. Is we have to keep our eye on what matters most. To Moses, he was not focused on the Amalekites. He was not focused on the cheap shots from the devil. He was focused on the promised land. And his theory was this. There is a promised land awaiting us. And if we get distracted by the Amalekites, if we get distracted by people's opinion, if we get distracted by all of our unqualifications and unpreparedness, we will never run full speed if we're always looking behind. And here's the reason why you cannot gain any traction sometimes is because you have tried to run your fastest, but your focus is somewhere else. You've tried to run as much as your legs will carry you, but you're distracted. Every time the enemy sparkles something in your, in your eyes, you turn from what really matters. I'm bragging on Anthony, but the truth of the matter is he, he knew God. He came to church. He, he, he knew some things about God, but one day he decided I'm not going to be distracted by things anymore. And when he decided, listen to this, when he decided to stop being distracted by things that don't matter, his family followed him. His children followed him. His friends followed him. And Wednesday night, right in this altar, his 10-year-old, 11-year-old son, with both hands lifted, looked up at his daddy. While some daddies are leading their children to the bottle. While some daddies are leading their children to the club. There's some daddies who are leading their children to the altar. Pastor Cliff, what do I do when it gets heavy? Take out your phone. Four practical steps that I just gave you. When life gets heavy, take a picture of that. Commit to rest. There's a high likelihood that life is not heavy, but you are tired. And your mind seems dark, but that's just the enemy using your workload against you. I'm not here to tell you not work. You need to work. You should work. If you're resting six days a week and working one, you got it flipped. Change. Do better. In Jesus' name. The word says if a man cannot provide for his own family, he's worse than an unbeliever. That's Bible. But I'm telling you if you are if you are in charge of your life so much that you cannot even tithe a day and give God your rest, your hands will come down every single time. You've got to invest in your relationship with God. If this is the highlight of your spiritual week, you're missing it. This can't be the best. This can't be the, the, the climax of your spirituality. This has to be something that feeds your personal time with Jesus. you got to do it for yourself. Two years ago showed us all of it could be over in a moment. There will come a day this will be illegal to do. It's already happening in nations around the world and countries around the world. Don't you think for a moment you got to know how to do it for yourself. you got to get you some people. Who are my people today? Who are your people? Not always the people that are around you are your people. 
Sometimes the people that are around you are so jealous and insecure, they're helping pull your hands down instead of keeping them lifted high. Be careful who you tell your dreams and your visions and your plans to. Identify your people, mark those people, and invest into those relationships. Quit being a friend that only calls somebody when you need something. Why don't you be a friend that takes lunch to them, that lays your life down for somebody else? The last thing, the last point is keep your eyes on what really matters. This church, there's some things that matter and there's some things that don't. We, there's a popular trend in church culture that every church now has to go spend a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars on an LED wall. I would rather feed the poor. I would rather clothe the naked than flaunt what I have to some other pastor in town. Some of the most insecure places in churches are not in the pews, they're in the pulpits. We will stay being who God called us to be. Now, if you got $100,000 and you want to make a donation and get us an LED screen, let God use you. Be a vessel that he can flow through. But what really matters is souls. What really matters is Braylon. What really matters is Adric. What really matters is Adrian. What really matters is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Stand with me all over the room. I'm going to close with this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Exodus chapter 14, our prayer team is coming. Write this for a moment, a memorial in the book and recrown it. I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek. And Noah and Moses built an altar. Look at this. Stay with me. And he named this altar the Lord as my banner. This is a name for God. The Lord is my banner is Jehovah Nisi. That's one of the names of God. And this is, the, this is the first time we're seeing God reveal himself and name himself. The Lord is my banner. Banners were used by armies to hold the banner up and to wave it in front of their enemies and to show their enemies who they have already defeated. They were used in, in, in Old Testament military exercises. They were used to declare, we wiped out this people. They were no chance. And they would intimidate their enemies with the banner of their fallen foes. If you don't know biblical history, let me tell you. Today you can find the Egyptians on this world. You can find the Syrians. You can find Persians. But let me tell you one group of people you cannot find. Later on in the book of in the book of 1 Samuel the king annihilated the Amalekites. They never they do not have an, a descendant alive today. Why? Because when Jehovah Nisi gets on your side, you can fly the banner of victory. You can fly the banner of praise. You can declare to your enemy, you may have hit us where it hurts. You may have hit us when we weren't prepared, but you will not see the end of this. Our God is a banner of victory over us. There are no living descendants of the Amalekites today. The Amalekites do not exist on this earth. Why? Because when God makes a promise to be for you, 
he will annihilate anything that tries to rise up and just challenge you again. Today, I want to open the altar quickly. If life is heavy, if life is overwhelming, if life seems like it's in the, a battle, if life seems like you can't keep your hands up and you need somebody just to hold up your hands, I want you to get out of your seat and let these prayer workers begin to pray for you. And I want you, maybe if you see somebody in this altar who is, the, yeah, come on, who is by themselves, maybe you can come alongside and just hold up their hands and support them in the middle. Yeah, from the back all the way up. Support them in the middle of battle. Maybe life seems heavy. But you're not alone today. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.